Good morning, everyone. It's great to see the young people here. And if any of you fall asleep, well, I'll remind you that there's a story in the Bible about a young man who fell asleep in church. And it didn't end up well because he fell over a balcony and they thought he was dead. So if you fall off your chair, take care. (laughs) I had this long and detailed introduction to the church at Ephesus, all made out, but in sympathy with the young people, I'm going to ditch it. And I'm going to jump right in. And I'm going to speak this morning. One of the most difficult things for a preacher is to know what the Lord wants you to speak about, particularly whenever you're not working your way through a book or a portion of Scripture. It's very difficult to decide what the Lord wants you to speak about. And after a lot of prayer and thought and consideration, I've decided to speak from Ephesians 4, verses 11 and 12, where it says that Christ himself gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. The word ministry is used in all sorts of ways. We have children's ministry, youth ministry, ladies' ministry, men's ministry, prayer ministry, music ministry, kitchen ministry, cleaning ministry. I don't know, but Whatever we do in church, we tend to put this word ministry alongside it. And I don't know if you've ever thought, what is Christian ministry? I've no doubt all of those things are are, are legitimate to call ministry, but what is Christian ministry? Well, Paul's views of ministry are outlined for us in these verses. He reminds us that the risen Christ gave gifts to the church, gifts of apostles and prophets and evangelists, and not pastors and teachers, it's pastor-teachers. It's better understood to be one word, a pastor-teacher. And here's the job description for the pastor-teacher. The pastor-teacher, his job is to equip the saints for the works of service or for the work of ministry. 
so that the body of Christ may be built up. So I want to make sure that you understand that Paul is talking here about the ministry of the pastor-teacher. Our, our statement of faith in Baptist churches makes a distinction, actually, between elders and deacons. It says that we believe in elders and deacons as offices in the church and in the gifts of evangelists and pastor-teachers. So the pastor-teacher is not just a paid elder. He's not just an employee of the church. He is a gift of the risen Lord to the church. I hope we understand that. He's the gift of the risen Lord to the church. And he has a specific job. Uh, I remember years ago, I was at a pastor's conference in England. And one of the things about pastor's conferences is they always have these question and answer uh, sessions where you can ask thorny questions and uh, you don't always get thorny answers <laughs> or good answers. And this pastor asked a question, what do you do if you have a bunch of deacons who don't dake? And he didn't like the answer because he, the answer he got was, well, actually, it's your responsibility to equip them and teach them how to dake. And I want to go further here, and this verse teaches us that it's not just deacons who should dake, but it's every one of us. There are three words that I want to underline uh, in the original in this passage. And the first one is diaconio, where we get our word deacon from. And when we use that word deacon, we, we immediately think of the office of deacon in the church. The guys who do all the work around the place and show you to your seat and sort everything out. But Paul here talks about the saints doing the work of the ministry. The saints, that's you and me, doing the deacon. Okay. That's a new word for you. You won't find it in the dictionary. But what does that word really mean? Well, when you look it up in the original, in a, in a, in a Greek lexicon, it's amazing. Because what it means is it's to make things easier. To make things easier to do, to make things easier to understand, to make things easier to endure, to make it easier to partake in. So if we're going to minister to each other as believers, 
It's about making life easier for each other, about making participation in church or in whatever easier for each other. It's about making it easier for us to endure the burdens that we carry, the things that we face in life. That's what ministry is. The other word, another word that I want to underline is the Greek word ergon, which means work. In other words, this kind of ministry won't just happen. You've got to do it. It's where we get our word energy or effort from. You've got to make the effort. If we're going to minister to each other, then you've got to make the effort to do it. It won't happen automatically. And the other word that I want to underline is katartizo, which means, which is translated here as equip. So, let me just say, look, if you want to minister to me, then I've got to talk to you. If I'm struggling, I've got to let you know it. If I'm finding it that I'm sitting on the sideline in church and I, I, I just don't feel a part of it and, 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 and I don't know how to, to, to get into it, then I need to tell you, I, I need to tell you so that you can help me. We need to communicate. So if I'm preaching a sermon and I'm making it very complicated and you don't understand a word of... If you go out and you're going out of church this morning and you're saying, I didn't understand a word that that man was saying, then I haven't ministered to you if I haven't made it easier. So having said that, I want to use this word, katartizo, and look at the way that it's used in the New Testament. And the first time that it's used is in Matthew chapter 4 and in verse 21, where it's used of James and John and their father Zebedee, Mending the nets. We all know that in the normal course of use, fishing nets get broken. They need repaired. And it's a continual task of a fisherman to keep his nets repaired. And so it is with believers. We need mending on a continual basis if we're to be involved in ministry. True Christian ministry is about helping each other deal with the broken bits, the bits that need mended, the hurts, the disappointments, the failures, 
the shortcomings that are common to Christian life. And the more, oft, more we get involved in Christian work and in fishing, the more we're going to need mend it. And it's interesting that Paul uses the same word in Galatians chapter 6 and verse 1 in the context of restoring someone who falls. It says, if, if someone's overtaken in a fault, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of meekness, knowing that you too could fall. Biblical ministry is not about blowing people out of the water. It's about getting them back into the water. Biblical ministry is about lifting up the fallen, those who are overtaken in a fault. Fixing nets in biblical times required a lot of attention to detail. It required involvement. It's not a quick fix, and it wasn't a one-off job. It was something that had to be done continually. Most of us don't mend nets today, but we do all understand that things wear out, that people get damaged, and broken and need fixed. And in church, if you're broken and need fixed, it's all our responsibility to try to help you. Now, can I ask a question? When was the last time you ministered to somebody and reached out to help them? It's far easier to shoot them down. It's far easier to ignore them instead of reaching out to help them. So it's about mending. Secondly, it's about equipping. To equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Paul uses it in Second Corinthians 13. And nine, where he says, We pray that you may be made complete or of a fully trained disciple in Luke 40. But the whole emphasis here is about getting people out so that they can be effective. The word was used of fitting out a ship or kitting out an army. 
It's a process, not a one-off. Mending is dealing with the past. Equipping is looking to the future. In 2 Timothy 4 and 17, Paul underlines that this is the role and goal of God's Word, that the man of God may be complete and thoroughly equipped for every good work. He actually uses the illustration here of of parenthood, of children. I have learnt or relearnt in recent months and over the past couple of years that children don't come fully equipped for life. And toddlers have the attention span of a goldfish. They see that toy and they want it and you go out of your way to get it for them. Five seconds later, it's away and they've moved on to something else. And Paul uses that illustration here. Don't be like children, like toddlers. Who are tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine. They're continually moving back and forth like waves blown here and there, taken in by cunning craftiness. Instead, he talks about speaking the truth in love and growing to become in every respect mature. You have to equip your children for life. And every circumstance, I mean, it's a lifelong job because as they grow up, they face different circumstances. And you think you've got it right this year, but next year it'll be another set of circumstances that they need to be equipped for. And it's the same in church. We need equipped. And it's the job of the pastor teacher to equip the church for the work of the ministry. But it's also part of our job to, 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 to equip each other. We're looking at the war in Ukraine at the moment, and the only reason that Ukraine has survived so far is because other nations have equipped them. And let me tell you something. This is really sad. Somebody asked me about this church and how had it grown and so forth. And I, I pointed back to a way, so I forget how many years ago, you know, and there was 120 members And over the years, it hasn't grown in proportion to the town. And in many ways, there are people who were here and who are gone. 
and they're gone because we didn't minister to them. We didn't reach out to them. We didn't equip them for the things that they were facing. And the Bible teaches us that this is a generational thing. It teaches us, you know, the older women, and not say what aids that, begins that, or ends that, but it's your job to, 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 to minister and to teach the younger women, the older men to teach the younger men, the parents to teach the children. And uh, uh, the things that we have learned, Paul says to Timothy, things you've learned, commit to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. This church has survived for 150 years because people equipped the next generation on the next, on the next. And it will survive. But we need to equip each other. So another question. When was the last time that you gave somebody the equipment that they needed to face what they were going through. That's important. All the young people sitting here this morning, us older people, we've been through stuff that they haven't, and they're going through stuff that we never had to. But we can help each other. I discovered a new condition this last couple of months. It's called pandemic stress. And we've all suffered from that. And it's something new. We never had to face it before. But ministering to each other can help us through it. Thirdly, it's about caring. This word's used in various places throughout the New Testament. In, Ephesians, in <clears throat> Hebrews 13, that, that great prayer, that great benediction, now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will, that he may work in us that what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. That prayer is a real sense of burden and care for the people of God to be equipped and to be able to do God's will. Paul uses it again in 1 Thessalonians 3 and 10 within the context of, of praying for them night and day that he could do what he could to help them. Caring enough to do something about it. We 
We didn't read the last part of the, the chapter in Ephesians 4, but verse 29 says, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. And here's it. Be kind one to another. Tender-hearted. Tender-hearted. We can be so hard-hearted at times. Be tender-hearted. Forgiving one another as Christ forgave you. And let me tell you, that's a lot of forgiveness. I know in my case it is. That's a lot of forgiveness. Again, the question when, and I asked myself, when, when was the last time that I showed some kindness to a brother or sister? When's the last time that my heart was touched by their circumstances, by their grief? Am I carrying a grudge that I need to let go of and forgive as Christ forgave me? And then finally, it's about uniting. Verse 16. From him the whole body is joined and held together by every supporting ligament. It grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. In 1 Corinthians 1 and 10, that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind. And in that verse in 1 Corinthians 1 and 10, it it takes three English words to to, to translate that verb, katartizo, completely, perfectly joined together. During lockdown, I was bored. And I'd ask you if you were the same. And a friend sent me a jigsaw. Now, I don't know when the last time was that I tried to do a jigsaw. But I knew this, that the first thing you did was get all the flat lined get the outline done and then start on the hard bit well let me tell you I got totally frustrated because there were these bits that looked like they should fit and when I put them in it just didn't fit exactly right and I pushed it down in and tried to make it fit but it didn't work 
And Paul is reminding us here that, look, this, this ministry is all about being united, joined together, being bonded. He uses the word again in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 11. And I'm going to read it from the message. This is how it says in the message. He says, that's about it, friends. Be cheerful. Keep things in good repair and keep your spirits up. Keep things in good repair. Other translations of this passage urge Christians to mend your ways. Put yourselves in order. Aim for restoration. Repair whatever's broken. Set things right. Biblical ministry is a responsibility, not just for the pastor teachers, but for all Christians, for all believers. And by implication, it has the ability under the direction of the Holy Spirit to restore a congregation to spiritual health. No matter what may be wrong in a congregation of God's people, it can be fixed. But we must fix it. And we fix it by ministry to each other. It would be great if this morning we could all resolve to be ministers, to do a wee bit of digging. in the sense of making things easier to understand, easier to bear, easier to do. We need the ministry of the Word. We need the ministry of prayer. But we also need the ministry of mending and equipping and caring and uniting together every sinew in the body, every part of the body in its rightful place going forward together. So what is Christian ministry? I'll leave you to answer that. Look again at these verses. Look again at this chapter. And we're going to finish with a prayer. And we're going to sing it. And if we really mean it, let me tell you, if all of us here this morning were 
to sing this prayer of Francis of Assisi and really mean it, we would look back on this time as a turning point in this church.